Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning. Good to be in God's house with God's people. Amen. And good to want to welcome you. want to welcome those who are viewing us online. Um, We're in a uh, part three uh, in a series that we've entitled Games People Play. Games People Play. And and this is our summer series that we've been looking at where where we know that it's, uh, we've been looking at a few family games that many of us enjoyed uh, when we were kids and, and how these games sometimes have a lot to do with real life more than we think they do. And that's the premise of it. The first one we looked at was Trivial Pursuits, the chasing after things that in the end we said, you know, may not matter, may or may not matter. Last week we looked at the game called Trouble and how the Bible makes it clear that trouble does come in many ways, shapes, and sizes. But Jesus told us that that in this world we would have trouble, but be of good cheer because he has overcome this world. Amen? Amen. That's where that word comes from. Jesus is still on the throne. Amen? And so we can take his words and we can take his promises and we can look at what's going on around us and hear the, the roar of the, you know, the loudest voices and the screaming of the waves or we can keep our eyes on Jesus through the storms and realize that we can still have peace through through whatever's going on. Does that make sense? Amen? All right, so but today's board game that we're going to focus on is called Sorry. Say sorry. sorry. Now, how, how, you might ask, how does this game imitate life? Uh, uh, I, I mean, isn't it right to say sorry? I mean, most of us would agree with that. Well, uh, somewhere on the original box, it kind of gives away the heart and the spirit of the game. Can we, can we get that up there? Can anybody see what that says at the bottom? What does that say? The game of what? It says, sorry, the game of sweet (laughs) revenge. It says that because the object of the game is to get all four of your pieces home first. And if somehow you are able to do that, you win. But basically, you have to draw from a deck of cards which have a number and instructions on it. You, you, you might have to move two steps forward, take five steps backwards. And if you land on someone, you have to exchange places with another pawn and so on and so on. And the reason the game gets its name is because two players, two players cannot occupy the same space at the same time. Oh, my, and that went off in my spirit, somewhere in my spirit, somewhere where the Bible says you, you can't serve God and mammon. Can anyone read that anywhere? Somewhere where uh, Elijah challenged the, t- the children of Israel that you, you know, uh, 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 make a decision. Uh, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then serve him. If, if Baal is God, then serve him. And the Bible says when he made that statement to the people, it says the people were or the people said nothing. And I feel like we're in a time where decisions are going to have to be made. Uh, there's a, there's a, I don't know if you've noticed it, but there's, <laughs> there's, there seems to be camps forming. And the, the, the opportunity to say nothing is passing by. And God is calling us to not be what I call the silent majority. 
that we need to start speaking up and praying up and showing up so that the loudest voices don't take over. Come on, somebody. And so, and so as it relates to the game, it says uh, you want to strategically land on your opponent's pawn, and when you do that, you set them back. Of course, when you do that, you say, when you land on them, what do you say? Um, say it again. I'm sorry. Sorry. But again, it's not a traditional, heartfelt, genuine sorry. It's a, it's a tool to further advance your cause or your agenda and to set somebody else back. Any of you have ever raised some kids, you know what I'm talking about, exactly what I'm talking about. Or, or you've been around anyone who you've had to confront with inappropriate behavior, and oftentimes you'll get a quick, sorry, or sorry, and you know in that moment it's not real. So, so you might want to press it a little further, and then, and then you'll get, I said I was sorry, still not genuine but more of a leave me alone, sorry, or get off my back, sorry, or sorry, I got caught. Anyone with kids know what I'm talking about, right? Or if you ever get a sorry, but. Sorry, but you are the reason why I did this, or X, Y, and Z happens. Whenever you get a sorry, but, listen to me, how many know that's not a legit sorry? Hello? And so, Perhaps you know people like that. Maybe you are someone like that. Don't raise your hand. But either way, like the game of sorry, the game of sweet revenge, it's not a real sorry. It's not a real apology. It's just another, another are, are you ready? ready? Games yeah. people play. Pastor <laughs> Sean, man, you got it. You got it. Just another game people play. Play. In other words, it's a manipulation at best, or flat-out lie at worst, and unfortunately we use it to lie to each other. We'll use it to, to, to lie to ourselves, and even we'll try it on God. But how many of you know you, you're not going to be able to lie to God? Not, not successfully. We'll lie to ourselves, we'll lie to each other, but we're definitely not going to successfully lie to God. And, and Psalms 94, listen to me, listen to me, this is what it says, tells us why. It says, the Lord knows what people think. He knows their thoughts are just a puff of wind. Anybody paying attention? Hello? Jesus at some point, or oh, the word of God says that there's a people that come before me who honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. God has been dealing with people lying or trying to lie to him for generations and generations. And so it says the Lord knows what people think. He, he, he knows their thoughts. Yes, he, 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 he knows that, that we will attempt to try to get away with things when we're not really apologetic for it. And we fall into that spiritual trap of playing the I'm sorry game with God. And it goes like this. God, I'm sorry, which means I feel bad and I won't do it again. I promise until the next happy hour or the next invite to the party, or until the next meeting with that guy or that girl. I heard an interesting, interesting statistic on the news. It, it talked about the fact that at the height of this quarantine during COVID-19, when everybody was actually listening and locked down in their houses, 30% of the people who are locked in their homes uh, managed to 
to work out conjugal visits, either going someplace or having someone come over. Now, some of the young people don't know what that word means. Just look, go ahead and look it up. And it's usually a prison term. It's when someone goes to prison, they, they work out conjugal visits with, the, with their wives or with their husbands. But we were on lockdown. I fall 30% in spite of the fact that the law and that everybody was saying don't go, 30% of them were able to get out and do whatever they wanted to do when they wanted to do it. Now, directly after something like that happens or right before, uh, we get this twinge of guilt. And maybe it's our conscience, probably it's the Holy Spirit, but it's saying, he's saying, I'm not pleased with what was said or what you're about to do. Or, or, or you, you, you come to church or you flip on a Christian radio station or the TV, or maybe you're listening to me today. And it seems like the message is directed right toward you. And in that moment, you feel conviction. And in order to assuage that feeling or to clear your conscience, we say, help me out, somebody. I'm sorry, Lord. And in that moment, it's like the wife who looks at her husband or vice versa, who's abusive toward them and has a pattern of it, and, and saying after the abuse, I'm, I'm sorry. It, it, it won't happen again. But you both know that unless something drastically changes, it's going to probably happen again. And this faux apology, I think I made a word up. <laughs> I think I made a word up. You heard it here first. A faux apology, fake apology, a faux apology may fool people, may even fool yourself. But it's never going to fool God. Because when he looks at us, he looks beyond what, just what we say. He looks at the intent of our heart. And when he's looking for an, an, an apology, he's looking, and it ain't that complicated, he's looking for, I want you to write this down somewhere, true repentance. True repentance. You see, just like the board game, that sorry game we play is really just about advancing our narrative or our perspective or our agenda. It's, it's getting beyond the guilt, but doesn't really get to the change. It's like getting into an argument, but, but nobody's actually genuinely listening. We just, we're just waiting to make our own points. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you're talking with somebody and you're arguing with them, but you're really not listening to them. You're, you're just waiting for them to shut up long enough for you to make your point. I was watching on the news again. They were interviewing one of those uh, rock stars, Pink. Anyone ever heard of Pink? And she had, had a moment of um, transparency where she was saying her marriage was just about done, 12 years of marriage, and it was on the, on the brink of a divorce. And somebody introduced her to a counselor who was showing her radical listening. It was called radical listening. And she said, and I always felt like my husband, he just, he, go, he won't listen to me. He doesn't listen. He doesn't hear a word I say. And so they, the counselor told her and told him that I want you to look the person in the eye, put your hand on their heart, and tell them what, what's on your heart. And she said the first time he did that, and he put his hands on my heart, looked me in the eye, and started speaking into me about how he felt and what she meant to him. 
She says, I couldn't even look at him. I started laughing. And then it revealed my own hypocrisy. All this time I thought it was him, the problem, but I couldn't even get to that heart-to-heart level communication without turning away. You see, nobody's listening and nobody's willing at these times to do the real work. And true repentance takes real work. So what does the sorry according to God really look like? Well, we see it in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience, listen, leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow which lacks repentance results in spiritual, help me out somebody, death. In other words, when you come to God and you say sorry really but not sorry and nowhere repentance, it's going to lead you somewhere that you don't want to go. The New Century Version puts it like this, the kind of sorrow God wants makes people do what? Change their hearts and their lives. And this leads to salvation. And you cannot be sorry for that, but the kind of sorrow the world has brings death. And so right away, the Apostle Paul points out the same dichotomy that we've been speaking of. The same one we see in the game, the same one we've been talking about with, 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 with true repentance versus the fake faux, faux apologies. And I want you to write this down because this is what it says. Godly sorrow leads to changed hearts and changed lives, which results in salvation with no regrets. Two types of sorrow. One that's going to lead to salvation. And a worldly sorrow will lead to death. I didn't say it. The Word of God said it. One is a tool in the enemy's hand that, you, that, that he uses to bring about feelings of guilt and condemnation, but no real change. The other leads to a true, clean conscience and a pure heart with actual and real change of behavior. When people tell me they're saved and I don't see any change in their behavior, I question it. Romans 8, chapter 1 says, now, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, watch this, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The moment you accepted Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, you truly repented of your sins. The Holy Spirit comes in and takes up residence inside you and gives you the power to set you free, to, to give you true repentance and set you free from the power of sin and death. Come on, somebody. It's real quiet in here. Pastor Rick, I, you, I got Jesus. He, he's my friend. He's my homie. He's my buddy. He's my pal. We're tight. Really? Well, why are you still drinking like a fish? Or hitting the weed like there's no tomorrow? Uh, people are starting to turn me off now. <laughs> Don't get up and walk out. It's going to be awkward in here. Why are you still jumping in and out of bed with people you're not married to? Part of that 
that we talked about. Too much? Maybe I'll take it down just a little bit. Why are you still walking around with a chip on your shoulder, talking about what, what and how somebody did you wrong, full of bitterness and unforgiveness? You know they didn't me, Pastor Rick. I know what God did to set us free. Amen? Amen. And today, it don't even have to be somebody that did anything. It, it, today, and I'm watching the news, and I promise you, it, it's bothering my spirit. Because today, it, it, it could be somebody who did something 150, 200 years ago on a plantation far, far away. And I hear people talk about because of what somebody did 200 years ago, that there should be, what's the word, reputation, you know what I'm talking about, reparations to the tune of, you know, 40 acres and a mule. We never got that. And they want people who never owned slaves to pay people who were never slaves for something that happened 200 years ago. And I'm thinking, how do you work this out? Because last I checked, there was a war that was fought over this whole issue of civil war. Wasn't there? And the North won. And almost a million people died of all colors to right the wrong that was happening in this country. And so how, 200 years later, do you take someone and say, how do you trace them back? And what about those of us who were born outside of this country? Do we get a check too? Come on, somebody. Something's got to make sense. It's got to make sense. To me, this is just more games people play. Now, let me tell you what the Bible says concerning the sins and, repar and reparations that other people may owe. Listen real close. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 27. It says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will plant the kingdoms of Israel and Judah with the offspring of people and of animals. And just as I watch over people to uproot and to tear down and to overthrow and destroy and bring disaster, so I will watch over them to build and to plant, declares the Lord. In those days, people will no longer say, listen, 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 the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Instead, everyone will die for their, help me out somebody, for their own sin. Whoever eats sour grapes, their teeth will be set on edge. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah, and it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant. And though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, listen, I will put my law in their minds and write them in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. 
Why? For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Folks, the day, those days that this prophet saw are these days today. Those days are now. And we are under the new covenant that God has through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Gone are the days where the parents eat the sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Gone are the days where somebody's, somebody's grandparents sinned and then everybody has to pay from generation to generation to generation. If anyone is making promises or demands like this on you, it is not God. It is a lie designed to stir up anger and hatred. No one, not you or anyone else, is going to pay or should pay for the sins of another man or another woman. Before God, you are going to pay for your own sins. You're going to pay for your own sins. I'm not going to pay for the sins of my great, 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 great granddaddy. Not going to happen. And if anyone says otherwise, it's a game that they're playing. Well, Pastor Rick, well, well, I'm sorry, but stop there. Stop there. Are you really sorry? Because if it's not followed by true repentance and a change of behavior, it's not, it's not a real sorry. The Bible says that there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, but that only applies to those who have truly repented. There's no condemnation to those who have truly repented and are in Christ Jesus. A, a real apology, not a faux apology. God knows the difference. God knows the difference. And so, and so, we, so, so, so when one will lead to a changed life and a changed heart and salvation, and the other one, yes, it's offered, but it's not going to change anything. It's going to lead to spiritual death. And we're going to find that out the hard way. Galatians 6, 7 through 9, it says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from that Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. There's a blessing coming, and Jesus is still on his thrones, and the promises of God are still yes and amen regardless of what you see going on. And God calls us to a place of peace. He says, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, I have overcome this world. And I give you a peace, not as the world gives, because the world is Indian giver. Indian giver, pardon that term, but you know what I mean. The term usually means you give, you take it back. You give, you take it back. God does not do that. God just gives. God just gives, and he gives it to us freely. So let, don't give up. And friends, let's not let sin get the best of us. 
Rick, you said no one's perfect. Well, <laughs> and we're no longer under the law, and we're, but we're under God's grace. Yes. But some people take that and they say, well, since I'm under God's grace, <laughs> I can do whatever I want and God will forgive whatever I do. There are people with that mindset. I'm sorry. Listen. Romans 6, 1. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Help me out, somebody. What does that say? Of course not. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we, we, we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. How many people were baptized in here? Come on. You got baptized. This is what happened spiritually to you. This is what the Bible says. It says, you, for we died and were buried with Christ with baptism. I'll say that. Buried with him in baptism. Raised with him in newness of life. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by his glorious power of the Father, now we also live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we, also, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. And we are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. Verse 10. And when he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now he lives. He lives for the glory of God. And so... You also should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ, through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. And do, and do not give in to sinful desires. Folks, we have to figure this out. Because God's got a plan and a purpose, and he's the one that sets the standard. But we're living in a world where they can't tell right from wrong, up from down. There's nothing that's, everything goes, and it's creeping right into the church. But the word of God doesn't change, and the expectation of the Father is not going to change either. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, 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 give yourselves, help me someone, completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have, you have new life. So use your whole body. Your body's involved with this. Use your whole body. That's your mind and your, your hands and your feet and, and every part of your body. Use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Someone say freedom. I want you to write this down. Listen to me. Grace doesn't give us a license to sin. Grace gives us the ability and the power to come out of habitual sin. Let me say it again. 
Grace doesn't give us a license to sin. It gives us the ability and the power to come out of these things. It's not a reason to stay stuck. The Holy Spirit in you gives you the power to come out of these things. That doesn't mean we won't stumble. It doesn't mean we won't fall from time to time. It does mean that we purpose in our hearts because of what Christ has done to, 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 to live for him and not rationalize and justify the sin that comes into our lives and our hearts. The reason the good news of the gospel is considered very good is because of the consequences of missing that grace. The true grace is very bad. Friend, there's, friends, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to miss. Not a popular to- topic today, but I talk about it. You know why? Because Jesus did. And Jesus didn't do it to scare people. He did it because he loved them. Amen? Amen? He did it to inform us that this life, this world is not our home. Stop treating it as if. I had a funeral yesterday. And in the funeral, one of the things we always say is there are no U-Hauls in heaven going up to heaven. You're not going to be able to pack a truck. You're not going to be even able to pack a, pack a bag. And so for us to be running around like this is it and acting like this is it is short-sighted at best, foolish. At worst, there's a heaven to gain and hell to miss, and God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. That's why he paid the price that we couldn't pay, and when he paid it, he paid it in full. That's why when Jesus hung on the cross, and you heard it as we sang this morning, he said, it is finished. That is to say that God, through his son, has done all that he's going to do to keep us out of hell and to purchase a place for us in heaven but the rest of it involves you and a worldly sorrow a worldly sorrow won't cut it it won't even get you there it only leads to regret and death but a godly sorrow will lead to true repentance a changed heart and a life of salvation the bible says with no regrets i want to live a life of no regrets I want, I want the, the Holy Spirit to capture my heart, young people, when you're young, so that you can avoid a lot of the foolishness that this world is offering to everybody and everything that says oh, everything is fine. No, it's not. The standard, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is not going to change. And again, we'll get to that place where, well, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I'm sorry may fool people and may even fool myself, but it never fools God. And so if that's you today, listen to me. You have to do just three things if you want to quit playing the sorry game with God. Three action steps that every single one of us need to do. Number one, we need to get real with God and admit, admit to him. Admit to God what? Admit your sin and call it that. Don't call it a lifestyle choice. 
Don't, call, don't stop blaming other people for whatever. Psalms 32, 5 says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And what happened? And you forgave the guilt of my sin. But it starts with an admission, owning it. The Bible says the person who claims not to have sin is a liar and the truth is not in them. And then you want to do the second step, accept responsibility. That's where true repentance comes in. Psalms 51, 4 says, against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in the sight, in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. David was the one who who came up with that. And David, even though the Bible says was a man after God's own heart, he made some really unrighteous decisions in terms of sinning in his life. But the reason God called him a man after his own heart, and God didn't mistake it, when, he, when, when conviction came on him, he didn't play the I'm sorry game and the faux apology. He owned it. He says against you and you alone because God is the standard. He's the one that says thou shalt not. He's the one that lays it all out. And so ultimately it's between you and him. And David owned it and he accepted responsibility. Your sin is nobody else's fault. And the sooner you realize that, then you'll stop making excuses and stop wasting your time and stop playing games. The better off you'll be. And then that last step, number one is admit, accept, go, go for it. Ask God to forgive you. <laughs> 1 John 1.8, he says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just, forgive us of our sins and the cleanses from all wickedness. Cleanses from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. And ultimately, this is where God wants to work. Because if he can work things out here, he can work things out here. He can work things out here, and he can work things out here. But God calls us to true repentance, not a faux apology, not a worldly sorrow. He calls us to godly sorrow because a godly sorrow will lead to true repentance, a changed life that has no regrets. And so my question to you today is, what path are you on? Are you listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit that's calling us into a real relation? And when I talk about things like this, I have to talk about Jesus because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to know what God is like, read the New Testament. You should have read it, read it anyway. Jesus was called a friend of sinners, not because he condoned what they did, because he realized that 
they were the ones who understood that they needed forgiveness. And he never threw stones. He never condemned. He, he saved his harshest comments for those who were the religious people of the day who had no compassion on the, on the people that God loved. When it says, for God so loved you, he means it. I heard someone say, we'll get to that place, especially in this political climate that we're in, where someone will say something you don't like, and it's just so easy to unfriend you. I'm going to delete you. I'm going to unfriend you. I heard some people say that. Let me tell you something. God will never unfriend you. He will never delete you. Jesus came just for you. And he knows what he's getting. And he knows that even if you don't know it, you need him. And he wants you in his life. And the sin that separates us, he took care of it on the cross 2,000 years ago. When he he who knew no sin became sin for every single one of us and died a horrible death on the cross. That was all about the justice and the judgments of, judgment of God. When God poured out his wrath um, for mankind on one sacrificial lamb. And Jesus did it willingly. He, he said, Lord, I will pay for the sins of the world. And he did. And the promise that he gives us under the new covenant that he calls us to confess our sins, not the sins of our grandparents or great, 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 whatever. You're not going to be condemned for the sins of something that happened 200 years ago. You'll be condemned for your own sins if you don't repent. And God calls us to a true repentance. And that godly sorrow will lead to true repentance. A changed heart, a changed life, and a life with no regrets. If that's you, listen, it would be my privilege and my honor to lead you. It's not hard. Jesus never turned anyone away who was serious about him. The religious people, he didn't have much he didn't have much, you know, for them. Because in their mind, they were right all the time. They were self-right. They were self-righteous. So they missed the righteousness that God provided through his son, Jesus Christ. But it is a decision time, like we said at the beginning. You have to make a decision. Having all sides is no sides. Elijah said, make a decision. The book of Revelation says, make a decision. He says, I would rather you were hot or cold. <laughs> he said, but because so many of us are lukewarm in our walk, he says, I'm going to spew you out. So that middle of the road that everyone's seeking hard to walk on, that's not the path God has. He would rather you'd either be for him all the way against them. I suggest we all go all in for Jesus. Amen?
And so if that's your heart, listen, I'm right there with you. You are my brother. You are my sister. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what side of the tracks you are. I don't care the color of your skin. If Christ is and God is your father, you are my brother and you are my sister. One flock, one shepherd. Amen? Let's everyone bow our heads. And if you've not yet surrendered to the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep, it's not hard. Just right where you're at, whether you're in this sanctuary or you're listening somewhere, just humble your heart. Make an altar. Like the song said, I come to the altar. And come humbly, not pridefully, not with a faux apology, but a true repentant heart. Call the sin what it is. Ask him to forgive you of those things. Don't be flip about it. If there's things going on in your life, in your heart, that you know are not pleasing to the Holy Spirit, ask him to forgive you right now. Confess it to him. He hears you. He's right there. And tell him you're sorry. I will sorry. Ask him to forgive you of the bitterness that you've been holding, the unforgiveness that's in your heart. God is not about hate. He's about love. And if your heart is getting full of hate, it's not God doing it. It's what you're feeding it. And so ask him to take this, these hurt and these feelings out. Call it what it is. And they say, thank you, Lord, for going to the cross, sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I believe that he is the son of God, Christ the Messiah. I believe that he gives us new life in him. I thank you for the new covenant. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Three days later, rising again. And because you live, I will live as well. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. I accept the free gift of eternal life through your Son, Jesus Christ. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. From this day on, help me to live a life not halfway, but fully on fire for you. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said, Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.